In a small military plot, in a cemetery on the south coast, is a single grave bearing three names. Jim, Simon and Smith. All privates in the South African Native Labour Corps. They died on the same day, 21st of February 1917. And next Wednesday marks the 107th anniversary of the sinking of their ship, the SS Mendy, off St Catherine's Head on the Isle of Wight. It was the largest loss of life for non-combatants in the entire First World War. Welcome to Series 3, Episode 5. My name is John Pope. I'm a volunteer speaker with the Commonwealth War Graves Commission and a story moderator on the Forevermore series, which details the lives of people who died for their countries. I have an interest in the stories of ordinary men and women who served in extraordinary times. So who were Jim, Simon and Smith? And where did they come from? What did they do before the war? And why did they join up? What caused the collision with their ship? And what happened in the subsequent investigation? Drawing on books, official records, internet resources and the personal recollections from friends and families, I've pieced together just some of the stories of those who served. Join me in this episode to learn more about the SS Mendy and the stories of the South African Native Labour Corps, like Jim, Simon and Smith. The South African Native Labour Corps was formed in 1916 of volunteers, mostly black South African men, but including some from neighbouring territories. They did not have combat roles, but served as labour auxiliaries, chiefly because of concerns from the South African government of that men trained in military skills could lead armed insurrection on their return to Africa. The Corps assisted in the war effort at the front by undertaking roles that included forestry, quarrying and road building. The men were offered a one-year contract of employment with an option for renewal at a rate of pay of approximately £3 a month, which was about 10% higher than they could expect to earn at home. The men were actively recruited, often with the assistance of their local chiefs, from all across southern Africa. They included a wide range of ethnic groups, Zosha, Sulu, Basoto, Swazis, Pondos and Swana. Their officers were generally white South Africans, and the NCOs were drawn from each ethnic group and were required to speak the relevant native language. About one in four of the men could speak some English, and some were employed as clerk interpreters. Records record that the men's daily rations amounted to £1.5 of mealy meal, which was made into a very savoury porridge, half a pound of bread, one pound of meat, coffee and salt. Twice a week they got one pound of vegetables and tobacco and cigarettes were issued. There was a dry canteen in every compound. The first members of the South African Native Labour Corps began to arrive by boat in the autumn of 1916. They suffered badly in the cold winter of 1916-17 and a photograph on the episode extras page of the Those Who Served website shows a group of SANLC men huddled around a brazier wrapped in scarves and coats. 
Their uniform was rough blue serge, with a Stetson-style hat and a greatcoat. Many wore their hats in the Bushman style, with one flap folded up, and decorated them with tribal insignia. By late 1917, when their one-year contracts began to expire, there were over 85,000 men in France and Belgium. By then, large contingents of Egyptian and Chinese labour companies were also arriving. Many of the Chinese labour companies remained after the end of the war and continued battlefield clearance operations. According to Commonwealth War Graves records, it's believed that 330 men of the SANLC died in France and Belgium, mostly from tuberculosis, others from accidents, and a few from Spanish influenza. The SS Mendy was built in Glasgow in 1905 by Alexander Stephen and Sons, and registered to the British and African Steam Navigation Company. It was over 370 feet long, 46 feet wide, and displaced 4,300 tonnes. In pre-war days it was used as a mail ship, in the early hours of 21st of February 1917, the SS Mendy was en route to Le Havre from Cape Town via Plymouth, with 823 people on board, over 700 of which were from the 4th and 5th companies of the SANLC. At about 5am in dense fog, the SS Mendy was 19 kilometres south of St Catherine's Point, when she was struck by a Royal Mail steam packet ship, the Darrow, it was almost one and a half times bigger, significantly broader, and three times the gross tonnage of the Mendy. The Darrow was on her way to Argentina to collect meat, and was travelling in the opposite direction, and the collision resulted in a large gash to the starboard side of the SS Mendy. Some men were killed during the impact, some trapped below decks, but most of the 656 deaths resulted from drowning. Oral history from the survivors, picked up by HMS Brisk, an escort destroyer, tells that the men met their fate with great dignity, as the Mendy quickly listed and sank. Isaac Williams Wochup served as a minister in the Congregational Native Church of Fort Beaufort and Blinkwater, and he was reported to have calmed the men by raising his arms aloft and crying out in a loud voice, Be quiet and calm, my countrymen. What is happening now is what you came to do. You are going to die. But that is what you came to do, brothers. We are drilling the death drill. I, Azosha, say you are my brothers, Swazis, Pondos, Basoto. So let us die like brothers. We are the sons of Africa. Raise your war cries, brothers, for though they made us leave our assegais in the kraal, our voices are left with our bodies. The damaged steamship Darrow did not stay to assist, but HMS Brisk lowered her boats and rescued 140 survivors. An investigation into the accident led to a formal hearing in the summer of 1917, held in Caxton Hall, Westminster. The hearing opened on the 24th of July and sat for five days spread over the next fortnight and concluded on the 8th of August. The court found that the Darrow's master, Henry W. Stump was guilty of having travelled at a dangerously high speed in thick fog, and of having failed to ensure that his ship emitted the necessary fog sound signals. It suspended Stump's licence for a year. 
The reason for Stump's decision not to help Mendy's survivors has long been a source of speculation. Stump claimed he was unaware that there were people in the water, and that he had been ordered to sail quickly until the threat of enemy attack was passed. Certainly the Darrow was vulnerable to attack by enemy submarines, both as a large merchant ship and also having sustained damage in the collision, which slowed her down and put her out of action for up to three months. Many of the casualties of the collision remained within the wreck of the SS Mendy, which was formally located by survey in 1974. She lies 21 kilometres southwest of St Catherine's Lighthouse, off the Isle of Wight. She rests upright on the sea floor, but a recent sonar survey suggests that the wreck has started to break up, and the ship's boilers have become exposed. A sonar image of the wreck can be seen on the episode extras page. And what of Simon, Jim and Smith? Their bodies were washed up near Little Hampton in West Sussex on the 6th of March 1917, some 15 days after the collision. They were difficult to identify, but additions to the register suggest that contact was made with their families and tribal chiefs in southern Africa. They were finally identified in 1921 as Private Jim Mbombia, Private Simon Linganiso and Private Smith Seguli. Other bodies were found on the southern coastlines further east, some in France, and five were carried up the channel to the Dutch coast near Noordwijk, almost 500 kilometres away from the point of collision. In 1986, the South African government gave formal recognition of South African Native Labour Corps service, with a bronze plaque depicting the sinking of the SS Mendy among the mural decorations of the museum at Delville Wood, the National War Memorial for South Africa. Other memorials to the Mendy and the SANLC were erected near Dieppe, in Umtata, New Brighton, and Soweto by President Nelson Mandela and Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth in 1995. In 2017, shortly before the 100th anniversary, the ship's bell was handed in anonymously to a BBC journalist. The then Prime Minister, Theresa May, returned the bell to South Africa while on an official visit there in August 2018. I'd like to thank the Commonwealth War Graves Commission for access to their archives to the Long Long Trail, South African History Online, the National Archive and the Imperial War Museum for access to material and some of the photographs on the episode extras page on the Those Who Served website. I'd also like to thank my Commonwealth War Graves Commission Eyes On Hands On colleague Carl Rusbridge for further information relating to this story. Until next time, thank you for listening to Those Who Served with me, John Pope. You can listen to the show via the website, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or a host of other platforms. If you listen on Apple, please leave a review as it makes the show easier for other Apple users to find. You can follow the show on social media via Twitter, at those who served, or on Instagram, those dot who served. 
You can show your support for this free podcast by clicking on buymeacoffee.com on the Those Who Served website. All funds are used to cover the costs of research, production and syndication. Lastly, you can join in with the show by sharing what details you know of a family member or friend who served in any 20th century conflict. Contact me directly by email at info at thosewhoserve.co.uk. Thank you.